We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. Today, we're going to talk about the Rams cornerback situation, Jermaine Johnson, Nikhil Roby Coleman, and Troy Hill. That's among the three. Don't forget also Kayvon Webster, the cornerback we lost to a torn Achilles at the end of the season we don't know his situation as well. All right. Norm, before we get into that, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? It's a wonderful day, full of joy and cheer. We're one Sunday closer to football. One. A long it's way to go. Right. It's a long way to go. Okay, folks, real quick before we get into it, 
check out our iTunes. Please, five-star reviews. We could really use some good lovings there. Also, if you're not on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Android, and iHeartRadio, check us out at any of those outlets. We'd love to hear from you. Also, by the way, we now have a voice a voice account as well. Give us a call at 657-666-5453. Leave your name, your location, and your question, and we'll answer it on air. As long as you don't cuss us out first. Please don't do that. Okay? All right, Norm. So the Rams have a unique situation here with the quarterback position. They could potentially, if they choose, have to redo their entire secondary for next year. Troy Hill, restricted free agent. Nikhil Roby Coleman, restricted free agent. Tremaine Johnson, he is a full unrestricted free agent. And then, of course, we have Kayvon Webster, who we don't know you know, how he'll be when he comes back. We don't even know if he'll be back by week one. How do you see the Rams situation here at the cornerback position? It's not not good. Uh, there's really no other way to put it. And I, I don't really see Tremaine coming back. And if he does, we're going to end up paying way too much for him, which is going to limit our ability to sign others. So it, I see it. it's kind of in dire straits right now. You know, Kayvon Webster had his moments last year, good and bad. Uh, it would be good to have him back, though, because he's familiar with Wade Phillips' defense. So hopefully he can make it back. Troy Hill was improving, but he's still not starter caliber yet. And uh, Mikhail Roby Coleman, very similar to Troy Hill in some, some ways. Uh, you know, he's not quite there, but he's, he does show flashes. He doesn't have a lot of size. So, you know, we're, I think we're in trouble there. We're going to have to spend, you know, some money in free agency. We're going to have to go through the draft. And you know maybe work a trade or something, but we need we need a lot of help in the cornerback position. Well, Roby Coleman played well, very well in the slot, but there's difference between the slot and starting on the outside. That's going to be a concern for us. Also, you mentioned Troy Hill. Troy Hill did turn out two really really good games towards the end of the year, and it makes you wonder was he finally figuring it out? Both of their pays, though, I had to think will go up. Troy Hill made $570,000 last year. I got to think he'd be due for a pay raise. Roby Coleman, $855,000 almost last year. I got to think his would go up as well. And going back to Troy Hill, Pro Football Focus had him rated for the year, actually, with like an 84 rating. Am I reading that right? Make sure I got that right. It's a high number. It's a, um, just to make sure I'm, I'm reading it right, Troy Hill's rating at the end of the year, sorry, it was a 78.2, which is actually higher than Tremaine Johnson's at 74.2. Roby Coleman was the one who had the 84, 85, actually, a rating for him. So I'm not sure how the Rams view these guys going into the offseason. Do you think they bring any of them back? Uh, I think they'll bring back Roby Coleman. I think they'll bring back Troy Hill because I think they can do both of them at you know a reasonable amount of money. Tremaine, you know, the franchise tag deal's over with. They're going to have to make a decision. He's going to demand number one corner money, and I could argue that he's not a number one corner. Someone out there is probably going to be willing to pay that for him. So that's where the Rams have to make a decision. Can they replace him with somebody as good for less money? And if they can't, then they're kind of stuck and have to sign him. But I, I really just don't see it happening. So you got to look at who's available and who's not. And there's, I mean, there's some names out there, but 
when you look at the free agent list for cornerbacks, honestly, if you want my opinion, they ought to go back after EJ Gaines. You know, it's kind of weird. I was talking with our sponsor, Sal Martinez, tonight, and that subject actually came up that, you know what, it, go back after EJ. He had a great year in Buffalo. He knows the players here. Would you be surprised if they did that? No. In fact, I would encourage it. Right now, uh, Walter Football's got him ranked as the number two free agent cornerback over Tremaine Johnson, who's number five. So, you know, he he uh, he he was literally Pro Bowl caliber for the Buffalo Bills. You know, well, I'll go after him again. And, and why do you say him? You know, besides the familiar with the team. Well, we know we know what he's capable of. I mean, he was. I guess the biggest concern with EJ is injuries. When he was healthy and able to play all the time, he actually played very well. He's only 26, so you know if you could ink him to a you know a five or six year deal, he could spend the rest of his career with the Rams, and we'd have a you know a quality cornerback that if he can stay healthy it would be great. So I would definitely look at him as an option. I think they saw him as expendable, the most expendable when it came to salary cap and things like that when they wanted to. Uh, bring Sammy Watkins over and Buffalo was looking for a corner and that was the corner they were willing to give up. But now he's a free agent and, you know, he had a, he had a good year with Buffalo and if he's healthy and he knows, you know, he knows the locker room, I think he'd be great to bring back. You know, you got other guys like, you know, the number one guy that they've got rated is Malcolm Butler, you know, 28 years old. You know, what happened to him in the Super Bowl? You know, there's there's reasons that things are happening, and I don't know necessarily what they are, but I, I don't know that he is he is the guy or not. You got Rashawn Melvin from the Colts. Uh, he came out of nowhere in 2017 as, you know, one of the top cornerbacks for the Colts, but who knows? And then you got uh, Bryce Callahan for the Bears. You know, he's kind of a slot corner. They got Tremaine. Uh, Patrick Robinson from the Eagles, he's 30. Um, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of been sporadic. You got Prince of Makamura, uh, for the Bears. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that's high risk, high reward, or if he blows it, he blows it big. And you got Kyle Fuller from the Bears, who was kind of a disappointment. And then one of the guys, you know, back in the day, that we talked about the Rams drafting, Darquez Denard, you know, he's been kind of seen as, uh, you know, a flop with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. There's just not, there's just not a lot of names out there. Well, I'm not sure where you're coming from with Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller actually had a very good year overall in terms of his rankings, especially by pro football focus. Are you talking about what where he for where he was drafted or I'm confused? No, he he played well at times, but he also had some really big mistakes that really cost Chicago in a lot of games. Um, that's why the you know they decided to decline his fifth year option. Uh, you know he's a first round pick and he's only 26, so there you know he's probably got the probably the best high risk high reward. For us, he's ranked number eight on the list. You know, this list is somebody else's opinion. We could have him ranked differently, but um, he he did have some really bad moments with the Bears. All in all, though, I think he was pretty good. You know, if you look at 
if you look at our players, we had some of those guys that were, you know, they'd have an outstanding play one minute and then they'd completely blow it the next. And that's kind of the way he was at times. So there, there are options out there, but there's not a lot of them. You know, my only concern is, is there anybody out there that can match up to what Tremaine Johnson offers in the field as the Rams quote unquote number one corner? We're going to talk about that here in a second and his numbers where he fits him. He has some good values from pro football focus on that. But overall, what I'm seeing here is a free agent list that isn't strong at the cornerback position this year. However, it's a pretty deep draft for the cornerback position. It's actually a very deep draft. The problem again for the Rams is no second round pick to fall back on. Right. Do you trust, and this is in today's NFL, you see it a lot, but can you truly trust a draft pick to come in and start at corner. Oh, there's a couple of them that can. Yes. I think but, Jeff, but I think but where are you gonna have to draft them to get that? Where they are here this is the thing about the Rams draft this year. Where they're sitting right now at twenty three, there are a couple really, really solid picks that are projected to fall to them or close to them. And I just don't know which way the Rams are gonna go. For example, Washington's defensive tackle Vita Via. He is actually projected to go right around somewhere between 15 and 20. What if he falls as a defensive tackle, a 3-4 guy, 340 pounds? You would think the Rams would want to jump on him, but they have this whole secondary problem here. There's two guys that come to mind, Denzel Ward, Iowa's Joshua Jackson. If they're there and a couple, you know, a couple of mocks have them drop it that far, I, especially I'm a big, I'm, you know me, I know Ohio State, probably a little bit of bias there. I watched Denzel Ward's full development at Ohio State. He's going to be a player in this league, and I think he could jump in right away or very close to right away and be the Rams' number one guy. I honestly believe that, the way he just developed at that quarterback position. And then our Blaine Greasack, he actually has Hughes from Central Florida being the guy in that position at, at number 23. So there are several options there, but if they swing and a miss there, either miss by picking by busting that pick or they say they take a via or they even choose to go the center route and get Billy Price, then the soonest we'll see them pick a cornerback will be a third round. Right. Uh oh. Right. You know, and there are guys out there I'm sure that, you know, aren't projected to go until the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds that could start in the NFL. But, you know, how many are there truly and you know, are you going to be lucky enough to pick the right one? So they're in a tough spot. The Ram- I mean, if the Rams don't go corner in the first round, they're going to have to sign somebody. They can't take that kind of risk. Well, well let's debate Jermaine Johnson for a minute. Right now, Track has his calculated market value at $11 million. Now, we've said this a couple of times in, in recent shows, just because Track has his average salary calculated at such a number does not mean that's where he'll sign. Almost every year, we see market values for an average salary like 11 million or 12 million, and a team goes and sign a player for 14 or 15 million because the team set the market, not websites. But just where that that bottom is at 11 million dollars, that tells you where teams are going to look. If you have the opportunity to re-sign Tremaine Johnson, if you could move money around, let's say you cut. Mark Barron, let's say you cut. Well, who else we cut? We talked about it. Mark Barron, Tavon Austin. You maybe, maybe you wound up cutting Robert Quinn or, or you renegotiate with him. 
do you go ahead and, and go for Tremaine at age 28 based on the market that's there? Yeah, I, do you? <laughs> it's really, with what he's being paid and stuff, it's really hard to justify where he's at number-wise. But it's kind of, it's kind of like you, you go, when you look at anything logically, and let's say it's not even in football, you might, okay, let's, let's use cars as an example. You got three cars that you want to buy, and two of them you just can't find anywhere, and one you have in front of you, and there's not many of them like it out there, and it's a little more money than you want to pay, do you take the chance on losing that and not getting any car, or do you pay a little more to get it? And that's kind of like, I, that's kind of how I see this with, with Tremaine. He's definitely a top corner in the league. Now, is he a number one corner or not? That could be debated. Is he overpaid? He has been, at least in my opinion. So he's probably going to demand high money. Is there another team out there that's willing to pay that money? And are the Rams willing to match it? Those are all, I mean, there's a lot involved there. And I don't, <laughs> I, it's hard to tell. You can't just jump in a guy's mind and go, how much does he want to be a Ram? How much does he want to stay with this team? How much does he, how much does the potential of this team moving forward in the future weigh into his decision? You know, is he, is he going to even have those kind of considerations or is he just saying, Hey, Mr. Agent, get me the best contract you can. I don't care where it is. We don't know any of these things. So there's no way to really tell. And based on what they do with Tremaine is going to tell us what they're going to have to do. They're either going to have to draft a corner high, they're going to have to sign another free agent, or they're going to have to pay him. So we're just going to have to wait and see. I don't really know any other way to say it. Well, let's look at his numbers. Let's see what he justifies. The Rams paid him over $16 million last year on a one-year franchise deal. It's hard to say that they can't – well, one, they can't afford $16 million again. That's not what they can do. Can they work something closer to that bottom number, $11 million? Maybe. Um, we've heard the great find. He's looking for 12 13 Honestly, he's probably looking for more. Is he open to a hometown deal, a little bit of a discount to stay with the Rams, given their their salary cap situation? We were looking at numbers earlier. They have, what, forty about $45 million in cap space available. We saw one set that had a 40 the other sets we looked at had it at 45. What is he justifiable at? What can you say the Rams should pay Tremaine? I, I don't know how you come up with that number. Uh, honestly, I think he's number two caliber. Granted, he covers you know a number one receiver most of the time, so his numbers are going to be affected by that. But I just don't know if if he's the guy that can truly handle and 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 get us to the Super Bowl if he's the guy that can handle covering those number one receivers. He's got the body size for it. He's had moments where he's been brilliant and looks like he's, you know, a Pro Bowl cornerback. And then there's other times when he just whiffs and you just go, what the heck was that? So I just don't, I just don't think he's worth 15 or 14 million. And I don't even see him being worth 12 or 13 million. But again, like the cars, uh, <laughs> what's out there that we can get that's, you know, even close to his quality for that or less money? Well, let's think about that for a minute. Let's actually use some numbers. Pro Football Focus has some has a lot of statistics on Tremaine Johnson. It kind of goes hand in hand with the article I wrote just the other day about this. Where does he rank overall? Pro Football Focus ranked him as the number 68 cornerback in the NFL. Let me say it again, number 68. His overall pro football grade is a 74.2. That's an average score. Here's the catch. 
With pro football focus, it's just black and white. It's just straight numbers, straight math. It does not take into account Trumaine Johnson as a big body cornerback, which we know he's a very good big body quarterback. B, it does not take into account the fact that he will take on opposing number one receivers. So those numbers are going to be skewed. If he's a number two, then his score should be higher. So there you go. The 74.2 rating at, at PFF, which has him 68th in the league. Now, a couple interesting numbers for us to talk about with him. A couple of really interesting numbers. He's fifth, as in fifth worst in the NFL, in yards given up against the pass. He actually gave up more yards against the pass than Roby Coleman and Webster combined. Gave up 759 yards, 250 yards after the catch. So one of the arguments I read online was, you know, yes, he gave up a lot of yards, but he also had young safeties playing behind him. That being LaMarcus Joyner, a new safety this year, and also John Johnson. I'm not sure I buy that argument. What that number tells me, he gave it 759 yards total, 250 yards after catch. What that tells me is he was out of position some to give up that many yards after catch. That's what it tells me. It tells me the receiver was wide open when he caught it. Yeah, out of position, right? Yeah. Okay. However, the other stat here is he only gave up one touchdown in coverage all year. One touchdown allowed a 79.8 rating, which is actually fairly good compared to other high-end receivers in the game. I mean, sorry, cornerbacks in the game. So, like, for example, Malcolm Butler gave up a 96.6 NFL rating. Kyle Fuller, though, 69. Darius Slay at 55.6. So he's somewhere it's better than most, worse than some. I, I don't know where to go, though, with all that. If you look at, see, I'm looking at more numbers here. His cover snaps, his cover snaps reception, the amount of times a cornerback is a primary man in coverage relative to how many receptions he allows, he actually allows 11.2, which is way down the list, about 46, right? Or 46 with that only one touchdown given up. That's a pretty good number. That's a pretty good number. Number one on that list was William Jackson for Cincinnati gave up 26 cover snaps to a reception. So it's not bad. He gave up, uh, he also gave up only zero touchdowns. So there are definitely players out there who perform better than him. Josh Norman, uh, 16.4. So again, 11.2 cover snaps to reception. That's not bad. 46, a lot more, out, lot worse out there. He did better than Nikhil Roby Coleman at 54th ranked. Kyle Fuller, we mentioned him earlier, 70th. These numbers tell me, honestly, it's what you mentioned earlier. What I'm reading with from these numbers is that the reality is Tremaine Johnson's a very good number two corner, not really number one. Yeah, that's been my opinion of him the whole time. And that's not a shame on him. No, not at all. You have to be a good football player to be a number two corner in the league. So we just haven't had a heck of a lot of choices. And the fact that we franchise tagged him, you know, a couple years in a row makes him, you know, I'm sure personally feel like he's top of the heap. But when you really break it down, he's not. He's probably middle of the road out of, you know, you, you got to figure out how many corners play, you know, snaps in the league. You got your number one, your number two, and your in your slot corner. He's he's in the middle. I mean, just about if you look at it overall, he's just he's in the middle on everything. That tells me, like you said, he's a very good number two. And you know, what's a top number two corner make in the league? Well, probably, I don't know, probably eleven, twelve million. That's and I think he's worth about eleven, twelve million. Oh, and that's what Sportrek has him at. So, I mean, if that market value sticks, 
to what they're listing in that, which is very rare these days, then that sounds about right. But even so, if the Rams were to get him at 11 to 12 million, would he be their number one guy if they could get somebody in the draft? And I look at, again, I keep coming back to a Denzel Ward, Joshua Jackson. There are a couple guys out there who might just be there at 23 that could actually push him aside. And you mentioned EJ Gaines. Don't, I don't think they should sleep on him. But overall, the, the the real problem the Rams have are what we mentioned earlier. There's nobody really out there that we can consider a true upgrade over Tremaine Johnson. And that's what puts the Rams in the spot. Well, the best case scenario would be for the Rams to draft somebody with their first pick that could come in and start right away. If, if they could do that, that solves a ton of issues. We just, you know, how often does that happen? It, it's not as, I mean, if you look at how many corners there are drafted every year, and, the, and especially first-round picks, how many of them end up starting in the league that year? And, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I would imagine out of, you know, 32 first-round picks, you know, maybe four or five, six guys end up starting game one all the way through the season. And I'm not saying just a corner, I'm saying in any position. It's definitely not something I think you can count on. Uh, having a coach like Wade Phillips there to to bring somebody up from, from the college level into the pro level and keeping it simple for him, I think will definitely help. And And there's certainly that possibility, and that would absolutely be the best case scenario because that leaves a lot of money when you can start you know, somebody right out of college after the whole uh, collective bargaining agreement and all that stuff and the way the salaries are put together now, you know, obviously if you can play a guy right out of college his first year as a starter, you're, you're banking it. You're, you're, you're doing great money-wise. And if that's the case, you can afford to maybe pay Tremaine a little more. But I think you got to watch the standards that you set. And then, you know, there's the whole, you know, what's available in the market. Just because he might be you know, what we're saying, a good number two, there's not a lot out there. So somebody's going to pay a little more money to get a number two or possibly number one out of it. So it's really tough. This is one of the toughest things I've seen with the Rams in a very long time when it comes to a position and, and keeping a player on the team that, you know, has been our number one guy, doesn't really rank as a number one guy, but there's not a heck of a lot out there to replace him. College is a risk. You know, what do you do in this situation? And, and I'm curious, I'm really curious to see what the Rams do. I'd love for them to draft somebody and have them start right away. That would be absolutely the best case scenario for all of us. I have a couple of thoughts on that. But before we do, folks, if you're in the California area or if you're visiting or, you know, if you just want a really good, awesome, totally awesome haircut, check out our sponsors over at the Golden Ram Barbershop at Sal Martinez at 714-894-7267 at 714-894-7267 at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. He's by appointment, and it's worth it. If you're a Rams fan, you can go in that shop, look at basically this small museum, the shrine devoted to Rams football. Go in there and talk football with Sal. I talked, Sal and I, we talked for a half hour tonight, just Rams football. Things like Tremaine Johnson, things like Aaron Donald, the draft, Vita Via, all those guys that are potentially could be on this team. Great football conversations, guaranteed to be worth the money. Again, 714-894-7267. Monday through Friday, open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Those are hours. Sunday's closed. Again, that's the Gold Ram Barbershop. Give them a call. All right, so a couple of thoughts of what you just said. You mentioned 
bringing somebody in to start. That's what the Saints did. They went and they drafted Marshawn Lattimore. He started right away. Changed the entire secondary for the Saints this year. So it's those guys are out there. And the other factor, too, that kind of frustrates me, uh, it's a little bit, I'm shifting a little bit from that mention of the draft to something else. It frustrates me that while the Rams are very good at maneuvering money, they've done it well for years, they will occasionally make bad choices in terms of the actual contract itself. Tavon Austin's a great example of that. They paid him all that money, and he hadn't proven anything yet. Hadn't proven a darn thing. They go off, and because they have Janoris Jenkins and Tremaine Johnson, free agents the same year, they have to make a choice. Janoris Jenkins wants more money, so they let him go, and then they they franchise Tremaine. That frustrates me. That frustrates me a lot because... At least Janoris Jenkins, for all of his flaws, could be that playmaker at number one. Whereas Tremaine Johnson, in his career, the most he's done in in terms of productivity, the most he's done is one year of more than 300 receptions. That's that's 2015. He has seven. The most he's ever had past breakups, past defended, 17. The league's leaders get more than that. So his performance frustrates me. And again, we go back couple of years and we were not happy with Janoris Jenkins. I'm just frustrated that we make these decisions and wind up spending more money and then put us in a situation where we are now where we're watching the Rams potentially have to replace an entire cornerback position. It's frustrating. And it, it I how the heck did that happen? Less needed to me is man, frustrates me. He has a great draft here, a great draft there, but yet the money management in terms of the actual contracts you dish out. Now here we are. Sure. It's it's very frustrating and like I said, there's there's really no good solution out there except drafting a corner that can start. I mean, and that's the real problem, right? Because there's no guarantee the guys that can start will be there in the first round or even the third round. Well, and everybody's talking about franchise tagging Sammy Watkins. So do you know what happens to our salary cap if they franchise tag him? Go ahead and tell me. We drop down to $30 million or less right there. Yeah. Okay, we still have Aaron Donald to sign. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's that going to take? <laughs> Probably about 20 Okay, so that leaves us about you know 5 to $10 million depending on what salary cap you go by. Who else do we have to sign? Remember, they still have two guys at the release. They still have to release Tavon Austin Mark Barron, and and I hate to say it, possibly Robert Quinn. Okay, let's see here. Let's see if I can figure this out. And don't forget, the, yeah, don't forget their dead money. Mm-hmm. It it automatically calculates it for me. Yeah, so Tavon Austin, you'll get three million back. Okay, let's say they cut they cut Robert or they cut uh, Robert Quinn. You'll get a lot back for Quinn. That brings it back up to about forty million. That's with franchise tagging, Sammy Watkins. Uh, let's go Mark Barron. They cut him. Now you're back up to about $49 million after franchise tagging Sammy Watkins. Uh, Tavon Austin, you cut him. Now you're at close to your $50 million mark again with Sammy Watkins still on the team. So, And that, that calculates the dead money and everything. And just, just to point something out, we've talked about franchising. I know I've talked about I'm for it, for franchising Sammy because I don't want to risk losing that guy. However, who's to say that he even needs to be franchised? Honestly, what if he comes back on a lower deal 
with the promise of big money from the Rams if he proves it next year. No, I agree. And I, I, that's the way I think they ought to go. I think they ought to try that first and see if they can say, all right, here's what we're going to pay you year one. Here's your incentive bonuses. If you perform up to this level, we'll give you this. And, you know, we'll structure your contract out so that you'll get paid more money each year if you keep performing. I mean, that's how I think they should do everybody's contract, but it doesn't always work that way. You know, you got a guy like uh, Robert Quinn. You know, Robert Quinn's had some great years, but he's also had some years where there were injuries and he just hasn't been, you know, everything that we expected. Uh, he's the perfect example of a guy that you would bring back on a on an incentive type of deal where, you know, we're going to pay you this for a base, but if you do this and this and this, we're going to pay you more money. So you can't do that with a guy like Aaron Donald. His numbers are too consistent all the time. You know, he's probably the top player in the NFL. So you have to pay him the money. You can't do a prove it or lose it kind of thing. He's already proved it. But guys like Sammy Watkins, Robert Quinn, those guys I think you can probably work with and do something like that. Sammy Watkins, it just depends on where his head's at. And, you know, he's only been here for a year, and I really couldn't answer that question. But it's interesting to look at when you start cutting some of these players where it puts our cap back at. And if that's the case, and... You know, you take if, if you cut everybody I said and you're back up at the fifty million with Sammy Watkins on the team and you pay Aaron Donald twenty, you're still at thirty million dollars you've got to play with. You can sign you know, a couple of really nice corners if there's any available for that kind of money. And, you know, you can draft or, or move up some guys at linebacker. So the it's possible to fix all this. It's just honestly I don't think there's enough out there in the free agency market for the Rams to go after to replace Tremaine Johnson. So if you've got that much money left, do you pay him what he wants? I mean, he, we've been overpaying him for two years as far as I'm concerned. Do we keep doing it? Is it better than bringing in a, you know, somebody we don't know? It's hard to <laughs> say. It's, 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 you gotta, it's hard to weigh all this stuff out, you know, and I, I don't envy the coaches and I don't envy Les Snead trying to figure this out. I don't remember us having this complicated of an off season in such a long time. But then again, it hasn't need to be. They've just been bad. And all of a sudden, you have a lot of critical moves you have to make because this team is on the cusp of something great, and maybe that's part of it. Or maybe it's just some, shall I say, uh, colorful management with these contracts in the last two years. Well, it's certainly not Sean McVay's fault. <laughs> or Wade, no, or Wade Phillips' fault, for that matter. Uh, you know, unless need his job is to go out and find players, but he doesn't really make the contracts. So you got to look at Demoff in there, and, and I'm sure Fisher had a lot to do with it as well. You pointing a finger at Kevin Demoff? Are you – oh, don't do that. Well, Never. No. He's flawless as an executive. <laughs> no, I'm not pointing any fingers, but I'm saying there's a lot more to this than just – you know, you can't just blame Jeff Fisher. You know, as much as it's an easy thing to do, you can't just blame him. So – they're going to have to get creative this year, and I'm curious to see how they do it. And we should have a better free agent market than we've had, you know, in prior years when we, you know, obviously free agents weren't thrilled to come to L.A. the first year they're back. So then the second year, you know, we bring in Robert Woods, we bring in Sammy Watkins, we bring in Whitworth. We start bringing in some quality guys. You know, now we have a good season. We're in, you know, coming into our third year in L.A. Your stadium's coming up soon. I, I would think that we would be a lot more attractive market to play for. 
And so I think we'll have the ability to get those guys. They just have to figure out how to come up with the money to do that. And there's going to have to be some tough decisions. And I think they're going to, you know, they're going to have to cut Mark Barron. They're going to have to cut Tavon. Uh, Quinn, I, I think we may end up being able to pull off a restructure with him that'll help. And then, you know, do we sign or, or not Tremaine? And, and that's what we're going to have to figure out. And I think that's why I said to you early on when we first started talking about the season being over in free agency, I'd really like him to just get Aaron Donald done because then you know how much money you have left. Just get it done. You know, and then we still have LaMarcus Joyner and, you know, some other players as well. So Roby Coleman's also a free agent. Do we bring him back? You can't. And we cannot underestimate LaMarcus Joyner here. They get, that's a guy they need to resign. That's not even a question mark. He's probably going to cost about $10, $11 million, though, too. So right. there are, that's a serious conundrum in who you're going to get. And it's almost like the sacrifices that have to be made here could end up hurting the team in the short term, maybe not the long term. When you let Mark Barron go, when you let Robert Quinn go, when you potentially let Tremaine Johnson go, when you let – who's the other one? Mark Barron. Mark Barron. Oh, uh, Mark Barron, Tremaine Johnson, the free agent, Tavon Austin. Poss- okay, possibly and, cutting Robert Quinn. And Robert Quinn. That's th- those are guys who have been a part of this organization for a long time. That, that, those are guys who have been been there for the worst, and now they've been there for some of the better years. You'd ha- you might have to let those guys go so you can eventually grow long term. That's tough. It is. It, it is because when you're a fan, it's one thing. When you're a fan and you're looking at this, you're like, you know, he's been on our team for so long. He's one of my favorites. I can't. I can't see him go. Well, then there's the business side of it where we can't afford to pay him and keep him no matter how much we like him. Uh, unless we do something you know, fancy here, we can't keep him. So like you're saying, do we make those tough decisions now? Do we go take a chance on being a 500 team again after the last season? I, I don't know, man. I just – I'm going to see – I think we're going to see if, uh, if Les Need and – Kevin Demoff and and uh, McVeigh can you know work some magic here because they're going to have to do some things and you know there's there's other things like Connor Barwin you know Dominique Easley mm, yeah and, and real quick one more thing just before I forget another factor about Jermaine Johnson again I mentioned it in my article yesterday he's 28 he's a big body corner at 28 big body corners at 28 are generally normally heading toward their last really good years as corners. 29, 30, maybe 31. Then because you are bigger, because you have some wear and tear, you start to slow down. So if the Rams want to keep him and they want to get as much value out of him as possible and be able to release him with time left on his contract, if need be, you're thinking about a front-loaded contract here, a five, six-year deal that's front-loaded, which means more pay now. I'm not sure if you want to go that route. If they're doing this smart, they may just say, that's okay, let's just, you know what, we'll balance this contract out, sign him five, six years, we'll take the risk that he won't slow down. But that's not normally the way it works with bigger-bodied corners. And so that's another factor, too, in this this offseason. Where do they go with that? What is their thinking? Here, and the real thing is, Norm, we have no idea what they're thinking. 
<laughs> we have no idea what the draft plan is. We have we're hearing whispers when we had uh geez, when we had Vinny on, Vinny Bunsignore, he was talking he believed that they'll get Aaron Donald done, they'll get Lamarcus Joyner done, they'll get they'll get Tremaine Johnson done. He thought that, that that Tremaine Johnson would take less than what we were thinking about. He thinks those things are gonna happen. In but in reality the the Rams have been very quiet. We haven't heard many leaks about where they're going. We we do know that if they're going to shoot for cornerbacks in the draft, there's a tight window for getting that guy who could potentially be a number one because of where they're picking 23, what happens if Denzel Ward's gone, what if Jackson's gone, what if Hughes is gone. And those are the guys that we're thinking right now can be number ones in the league. Well, and let's look at this too. So let's say the Rams decide to not bring back Sammy Watkins. Okay, let's just throw that out there because – they franchise tag him at sixteen million two hundred twenty-eight thousand. That's what it's going to cost him. Is he worth that? Mm-hmm. I would argue no. There's reasons why we can go into that another time, but I think that sixteen million dollars could be spent in a in a whole different way. And if we let him go, what do we get back? You could potentially sign Jermaine Johnson. <laughs> no, but what do we get back if we let Sammy Watkins go? Nothing. Don't we get a third round pick back? Oh, yeah, you're right. We get that compensatory third-round pick. That's right. Uh-huh. Now maybe you take a third and a sixth or something like that and try and to package it. and try to package it up and move into the second. I, you know, I forgot about that compensatory pick. You're right, you're right, you're right. But also, it's the other thing they can do then, let's just say they do that, okay? And I actually, you know, let's take this into our question. We got a calling question from Clash of the Horns. And he actually asked about that. Who we look at in free agency of the draft, um, realistically right now? Who are the guys that we w- would really want to look at? And he even asked, do you think we would spend, or wouldn't we spend, a first-round pick on a nose tackle? I think he's talking about Vita Vita. Now, given some of the scenarios you're talking about there, you know, the possibility, you know, you let Sammy go. And, by the way, I'm I'm not for letting Sammy go. But <laughs> we, we we had that conversation. It's just that's the, that's the paranoid Rams fan talking. What do you? What can you do there with that number one pick if you get that compensatory three? Do you even think about the possibility of Vita Via if he's there taking him instead? Well, I'm sure you could. I mean, again, you could go 900 different directions with this. Um, I think you take the best player available at a position of need, not just the best player available, but the best player available that is in a position that you need to fill. And you know, nose tackle would be one of them. So, you know, risk versus reward, if you have a guy that you have on your board at corner ranked higher than the guy you have at nose, you probably take the corner. So, but here's my argument real quick on Sammy Watkins. Oh, gosh, here we go. It's real fast. Sammy Watkins came out and gave us a deep threat. But I would argue that Robert Woods came out and played like the number one. Robert Woods shows he has speed. You have a guy like Cooper Cup who can be a great number two, and you could draft somebody, or you've got guys that we just drafted last year that could come in and step up, and we have some speed guys. So I don't think it would be that big of a drop-off. Sammy wasn't one of Jared Goff's top targets anyways. So you get that pick back, and you solve a problem by giving us more picks in the draft and maybe being able to package it and get better corners you know, maybe you let True go and you bring back a guy like EJ Gaines and you draft one or two corners in the draft and re-sign Roby Coleman. There's so many different options out there that are available. 
and I would argue right now, value-wise, and I'm a huge Sammy Watkins fan. I was glad when they brought him to the team. I just don't think franchise tagging him is the option. If you can bring him back for, you know, 11 or 12 million, then you're in my ballpark. But if you're going to have to pay 16 million, I, I really think that you're better off to get a third round pick back and package it and move up. So that's my argument to that. And right now money's the issue. And we have, you know, we have, we're like top 10 in salary cap available in the league right now. And yet we're struggling with it because we have guys like Aaron Donald that we have to sign and LaMarcus Joyner that we have to sign. So they're going to have to get creative. And this is the first year in a very long time that there's not a real clear path. There are so many different variables this year that my head's spinning. And I, I'm, I'm, usually, I'm usually able to laser focus and say, okay, here's two or three areas that they're going to focus on. And this is who, you know, the possibilities are that they're going to draft. This year, without the transactions happening before the combine or before the draft, I don't have a freaking clue what they're going to do. Well, you will. I think we'll know really quickly if they let Jermaine Johnson go. If they let Jermaine Johnson go, then we know exactly where they're pinpointing. The only problem is other teams will know they're pinpointing too. Right. And, and how many times have we over the years seen, seen a situation like this where we knew where the Rams needed to go, but other teams made moves to get the guys the Rams coveted? And that's a problem. But then again, there are so many holes on this roster right now, and there are so many different directions we can go. We're going back to the Clash of the Horns questions. Who can we look at? Well, there's several different directions we can go. We can go with if Vita Via drops. To me, you take your wrist at corner and go get that nose because Vita Via will provide that help provide that front seven to cover the secondary. That's a difference maker. Or let's just say Denzel Ward or Joshua Jackson drops there. Or let's just say the guys are gone and Billy Price, the center is there knowing we need to replace the center because John Sullivan, by the way, is a free agent. And Billy Price is one of the highest rated corner, sorry, centers in the draft. I think he is the highest rated center in the draft. There are so many different things they can do, but if they let Jermaine Johnson go, it really pairs it down. Well, and you've got, you know, looking at that, you've got, you know, the Robert Quinn deal, uh, throw in Matt Longacre, Tyron Walker, you know, there's Dominique Easley, Connor Barwin. There goes... If they don't re-sign any of those guys, there goes more than half of our defensive line. So, yeah, there's arguments to be made all the way around. Uh, when they start signing people, that's going to give us more direction. If they get Joyner and Donald under contract and we see how much money's left and they figure out what they're going to do with Sammy Watkins, then, then we'll be able to kind of focus in and say, okay, here's what they're going to have to do. But right now, you're ha- you have as high a, of odds of winning Powerball than you do figuring out where the Rams are going to go. <laughs> it just, yeah, it, a mess. It's, it's really crazy. And I've never, I've never seen it like this before. It's, it's partially depressing because, you know, look at the year they had and, and the potential where the team's at. But then it's also exciting because, you know, we had a great year. We have a new head coach. Maybe he starts taking the team a different direction. Maybe some of these guys that we really want to hang on to just because we're fans aren't the right answer for what he's trying to do or what Wade Phillips is trying to do. And we might see it as something bad happening, but it could be really good. So you, it, it's kind of like you've got 1,400 different types of candy in front of you, and you love candy. You just got to figure out which ones you like the most and, 
you know, the Rams are going to have to start doing that because if until they do, we really can't. I mean, we might as well throw, you know, straw up into the air and, and see where it lands because we just have no choice to or no options to figure out what they're going to do yet. It's all a guessing game. Uh, I don't think they franchise tag Sammy Watkins. I just don't see the money there unless they restructure some things right away. I don't see them bringing Tremaine Johnson back at 14, 15 million a year. I just don't see how that's possible. Uh, there's just too many things. There's too many players they have to re-sign. There's too many options out there. They're, they're going to have to make some serious decisions. Well, here's the good news. We're going to know pretty quick. It's February. Uh, well, by the time this releases, it'll be, it'll be the morning of February 20th. It's only a few short days before the combine happens and before free agency opens. And so we're going to know something, I would think, here within the next two weeks as to where the Rams are going. And hopefully at that point we can start to breathe a little easier. Norm, do you have any final thoughts before we ready to sign off tonight? Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. This, Folks, is, gonna be a, this is a wild ride, man. <laughs> yeah, I was just actually, that was the exact word I was going to use. Folks, it's going to be a wild ride for the next two weeks to a month. Stick with us. We'll be here every step of the way to go through every signing, every draft pick, every scenario. We'll be there. We'll go through it. We'll be we'll be right sometimes, and unfortunately, every once in a while, we'll be wrong. Don't forget to, if you have any questions for any of our shows, give us a, a voicemail. You can check us out. The number, again, is 657-666-5453. And no, we are not satanic. I don't know how we got the 666 there, but we did. And leave a message. Also, leave your name and where you're from, and so we can mention on the air. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.